Welcome to the VO2 Lounge, the podcast dedicated to making you a faster, stronger and healthier athlete by using the available online scientific literature. In this episode, we're talking about iron supplementation and whether or not it results in improved athletic performance. This podcast episode delves into the complex relationship between iron supplementation and athletic performance, drawing insights from recent research studies Iron deficiency, even before the onset of anemia, can negatively impact exercise capacity, highlighted in the importance of maintaining optimal iron levels for athletes. Studies have shown that intravenous iron supplementation can improve exercise metrics among anemic athletes, while oral supplementation may benefit those with depleted iron stores but without anemia. Additionally, low-dose iron supplementation has demonstrated potential in managing fatigue, enhancing mood states, and regulating sweating behavior in non-anemic endurance athletes. These findings emphasize the need for tailored nutritional interventions to optimize athletic performance and overall well-being, while further research is warranted to address gender disparities and optimize treatment durations. Now, I personally do not currently supplement with iron. I train between, on an upper end, maybe during a mini training camp. Like I still work full-time, I'm not a full-time athlete, but in a block of time where I am elevating my training stress, I may reach up to 15 hours, but my normal volume is somewhere between seven to 10 hours a week. However, after a video by Dylan Johnson regarding the gains he believes that he's seen from iron supplementation, likely reiterated on his podcast Bonk Bros, and then by pure coincidence, Peter Atia released a newsletter titled Does Low Iron Intake um, Intake Change Exercise Capacity, which there is meant to be an Ask Me Anything on the drive later on. But I'm now thinking, should I be supplementing iron? So of course, it's time for a podcast on this topic. Skeletal muscle metabolism is responsible for as much as 25% of resting oxygen consumption, or VO2, in healthy young adults. Um, and VO2 may increase 10 to 15 times above resting values during body, uh, doing whole body exercise, even in untrained individuals. Exercise thus plays a very considerable demand on those physiological processes concerned with pulmonary intake, sorry, uptake of oxygen, its delivery to tissues, and its ultimate fate as the terminal electron acceptor in mitochondrial oxidative phosphorylation. Importantly, iron has indispensable roles in each of these processes. Now many previous studies have addressed the impact of iron deficiency on human exercise capacity. For example, in the subject with profound iron deficiency anemia, IDA, maximal treadmill exercise time increased significantly with intravenous or IV iron supplementation and post-exercise venous blood lactate concentrations remained similar with successive experiments despite higher workloads. In iron deficient, ID female athletes, whilst oral iron supplementation had no effect on maximal workload on a bicycle ergometer, maximal blood lactate levels decreased following iron administration. Now, 
given the symptoms of fatigue associated with IDA, it's not surprising that intravenous iron supplementation has been shown to improve various exercise metrics among anemic athletes. But what about iron deficiency prior to development of anemia? Now that is straight from a study we will go on to talk about, but it teases up to show already where the question lies. For the most part, if you are truly anemic and you've done um, not we're not talking from a subjective level like you're training a lot and you feel fatigued we're talking just outside of training in training if you take a blood test that is measuring ferritin uh, stores and you are diagnosed as being anemic then the supplementation of iron will improve performance where the question begins to lie more so is in the area of people who are sort of let's call them pre-anemic like they are becoming deficient they clearly you can see if you were to monitor them a trend downwards in iron stores however they are yet to become anemic this is where the big question is what is iron deficiency anemia so let's start with peter Tier's article as it gives a pretty good overview of the topic because that the paper they're describing is on this very topic now the body is capable of storing a certain amount of iron in the liver spleen muscle tissue and bone marrow bound to protein ferritin if you've ever done a test a blood test and seen ferritin stores this that that is how you gain the indicator that is the biomarker as to where your iron stores or iron levels are Therefore, the development of iron deficiency requires a mismatch between iron loss, for example, blood loss, and uh, inadequate dietary intake, which over a period of many months can result in iron deficiency anemia, a condition characterized by an insufficient number of healthy red blood cells. Iron deficiency anemia, or IDA, can have symptoms of increased heart rate, dizziness, cold hands, feet, um, uh, fatigue, especially with exercise. Now, we'll pause it there for a moment because this is kind of the critical uh, bit of information and that is the heart rate is quite a useful tool. I know in the modern day of power being king when it comes to uh, training interval uh, specification and when you're actually deciding on what you want the training zone to look like, Heart rate is also an incredibly useful barometer for what is going on in the body. And for example, here you can see the increased heart rate simply because your oxygen carrying molecule slash cell in the body that is carrying this oxygen, if that is depleted, then you're going to have to have a heart, higher heart rate to get the same overall volume of oxygen moved around the body and if you've now got a lower capacity to carry oxygen, then your heart rate's going to have to increase and you're going to eventually bump up against that sort of threshold heart rate and maximal heart rate, at which point performance has now been uh, diminished. Now, in the earliest stages of deficiency, iron stores are depleted in order to continue the normal production of uh, hemoglobin and red blood cells. 
At this point, the individual is not yet anemic, as deficiency will not cause changes in uh, hemoglobin or hematocrit, a metric related to red blood cell count. However, declining serum ferritin levels reflect the gradual depletion of iron stores occurring at this stage. To compensate, the body will increase dietary iron absorption, um, which results in increased levels of serum uh, transferrin levels, the protein responsible for ferrying iron throughout the body, like moving, sorry, iron throughout the body. One of the ways this change is measured is by transferrin saturation or TSAT. The ratio between total serum iron and total iron binding capacity, the latter being the indirect metric of transfer uh, transferrin levels, if dietary iron remains low, serum iron levels and TSAT will eventually start to decline. When TSAT is less than 20% is indication of iron deficiency and when less than 16% red blood cell or RBC production becomes impaired. A diagnosis of anemia doesn't occur till further iron depletion causes a reduction in HB uh, levels of less than uh, 13 grams per deciliter in men and 12 grams per deciliter in women, despite a normal uh, RBC uh, appearance. So what's all the background for? Why are they talking about this? Well, it's because the study they go on to interrogate and make reference to is titled Abnormal Whole Body Energy Metabolism in Iron Deficient Humans Despite Preserved Skeletal Muscle Oxidative Phosphorylation. So, the study. In their prospective case control study, the authors recruited cases and controls based on ferritin status from a pool of blood donors who were deemed to be iron deficient but not yet anemic. Iron deficiency was determined by a criteria of serum ferritin uh, less than or equal to 15 micrograms per litre and a TSAT of uh, less than 16% whereas their iron uh, replete IR con um, counterparts were required to have serum ferritin uh, greater or equal to 20 micrograms per liter and a TSAT of 20%. So you can see where the differences are between the two groups. Uh, the exercise protocol included small muscle, in particular the calf, exercise tests, whole body maximal cardiopulmonary uh, exercise tests, uh, VO2 max testing essentially, the submaximal exercise at 65% of VO2 max. Um, the calf exercise involved three five-minute periods uh, of plantar flexion exercise performed at 1 hertz and increasing levels of power, uh, 3, 4 and 5 watts, alternating with seven-minute recovery periods. At this level of intensity, the exercise is considered aerobic and the calf muscle uses oxidative phosphorylation to generate the required energy. Now, oxidative phosphorylation is highest at rest, expected to drop during exercise regardless of iron status, but a greater drop in oxidative phosphorylation in the um, ID compared to the IR group would demonstrate metabolic um, impairment at low intensity exercise. Thus, the authors used 31P magnetic resonance spectrum spectroscopy or MRS and an indirect measurement of mitochondrial oxidative phosphorylation uh, to image the calf during small muscle exercise tests. I realized I said oxidative phosphorylation quite a few times didn't explain what it is 
but energy in the form of adenosine triphosphate, ATP, is generated mainly in mitochondria by the oxidative phosphorylation process. So essentially, the energy needed for the muscles to contract is uh, created through this oxidative phosphorylation process. Now back to the study, maximize ex maximal exercise performance was measured using um, CPET on a cycle ergometer with a venous blood sample taken in the final 30 seconds of each workload interval. After 15 minutes of recovery, a further 20 minutes of submaximal exercise was performed on the cycle ergometer with the work rate at 65% of VO2 max calculated from the CPET results. Further blood samples were taken before starting and a 2, 5, 10, 15 and 20 minute time points during submaximal exercise. I'm not sure again if I've already mentioned this but CPET testing is just cardiopulmonary exercise testing also referred to as a VO2 uh, test or VO2 oxygen consumption test and it is a specialized type of st uh, stress test to exercise the test that measures your exercise ability capacity essentially it's some form of VO2 testing. So what did this study in particular find? Well, the mean baseline serum ferritin in the ID group um, was 8.3 uh, micrograms per liter and TSAT was 10.6%. Despite not meeting the HB criteria for anemia, average HB was 12.7 grams per deciliter, these iron levels would suggest a depletion of iron stores and impaired RBC production. On the other hand, the mean serum baseline ferritin in the IR group was 58 micrograms per litre and TSAT was 35.2% and the average HB was 13.6 grams per deciliter. Both the ID and IR participants who received an iron infusion had significant increases in serum ferritin and TSAT but no change in HB, whereas these metrics did not change among participants who received a safe line, a saline infusion, so effectively the placebo. After iron infusion, the mean serum ferritin in the ID group was um, 561 plus or minus 433 micrograms per litre, a 68-fold increase in these values, and TSAT increased by more than 3.5x, um, to 37.9 plus or minus 11.2 percent in the IR group and iron resulted in a less dramatic 15-fold increase in mean serum ferritin to 840 plus or minus 300 micrograms per liter and a 2.1-fold increase in TSAT to 62.1 plus or minus 20 percent. Now, the ID and IR groups were found to differ significantly in the exercise testing in a manner that was partially abolished with administration of IV iron uh, to those who were iron deficient. Before IV iron, peak lactate at the end of the CPET, the maximal effort test, was the same in both groups, indicating equivalent uh, anaerobic glycolytic capacity between the two groups. However, lactate clearance an indication of how quickly a person can recover from this lactate accumulation while still exercising was significantly uh, slower in the ID group during the subsequent submaximal exercise. Now, IV iron reduced peak lactate in both ID and IR groups, but accelerated lactate clearance only in the ID group, though not quite the baseline clearance speed of the IR group. 
Now, additionally, groups that received IVI and also statistically significant improvements in two metrics measured by maximal excise testing, a 10% increase in oxygen um, pulse, a measure of maximal aerobic capacity, VO2 divided by heart rate is what it is, and 10% decrease in lactate threshold. And that's effectively the transition point from slow to rapid lactate accumulation. Just imagine on a graph, you've got a line that's kind of linear is not the right word, but say it goes from like a linear line to an exponential kind of a hockey stick looking curve. Now, collectively, these results show that iron deficiency, even in the absence of anemia, negatively impacts exercise metrics, an effect which can be uh, at least partially reversed with iron uh, IV iron treatment. Now, 31 PMRS measurements of oxidative phosphorylation, the process of, as I've said, making ATP in the mitochondria before and after iron infusions did not differ between IDN and IR groups in the small muscle excise tests. This might suggest that metabolic differences between ID and IR groups are negligible at low excise power, but alternatively might reflect mitochondrial limitations. Now, 31P MRS is more typically used to detecting gross abnormalities in of mitochondrial dysfunction rather than subtle changes expected in this study, for example, and the small sample size and, and noise inherent to the measurement may have restricted the ability to detect between groups differences, whether or not they truly uh, existed. Now, the newsletter and the paper in particular that was mentioned in it and we have looked at um, focuses on performance of individuals who are yet to actually suffer from anemia. But what about iron supplementation in people with foot, like with depleted stores? Now, so for this, we can look at a 2014 study titled Iron Supplementation Improves Energetic Efficiency in Iron Depleted Female Rowers. This randomized control trial aimed to investigate the effects of iron supplementation on changes in FE, so iron status and endurance performance in non-anemic female rowers preparing for their competitive season. The studies used serum ferritin, SFER, and hemoglobin HGB levels to select participants for the supplementation trial while also considering serum transferrin receptor STFR and calculating the total body iron TBI to differentiate between those who have low total iron stores and low tissue functional FE. The findings indicated that six weeks of um, iron supplementation during training led to greater improvements in iron stores compared to the placebo, particularly benefiting rows with the poorest iron status at baseline. For a bit more context on the study method, sorry, study method, um, at the beginning of training of the training season, 40 rows were randomized to receive either 100 milligrams um, or a placebo group using a double-blinded design. Now, now 31 of these completed the six-week trial. Iron status, body composition, uh, and laboratory tests of physical performance were assessed at baseline and after training. Um, the the uh, Physical performance tests were a 4K time trial, uh, VO2 peak, energetic efficiency, and blood lactate levels. 
I've probably gone over this before, but considering most listeners, every episode I knew, I'll mention it again, a double-blinded design study is a type of clinical trial where neither the participants nor the researcher themselves knows which treatment or intervention um, participants are receiving until the clinical trial is over. And then this, this makes it so that results of the study are less likely to be biased in any way. And this means that the results uh, are less likely to be affected by factors that are not related to the treatment or intervention being tested. Essentially, a researcher knowingly or unknowingly steering the study in a direction based on their own bias and belief of which outcome should work best. Um, And on that note, if you're new and like what you hear, so heard so far, why not rate or follow the podcast wherever you get your podcast from or where you are listening to it right now. So back to the study, sorry. The study noted that while iron supplementation positively affected FER and TBI, it did not significantly impact STFR levels. It was observed that physical training might have diminished the response to iron supplementation due to the increased body iron turnover, um, basal iron loss and potential inflammation of induced down regulation of iron absorption. Despite the iron supplementation still resulted in improved iron status, although compliance with the supplementation regime was lower among rowers in the iron group. Now, the study identified that rowers with iron deficiency without anemia, so IDNA, supplemented with iron exhibited lower energy expenditure and increased energetic efficiency during a 4-kilometer time trial compared to the placebo group. Additionally, iron supplementation was associated with a slower rise in lactate concentration during exercise and faster recovery post-exercise, suggesting improved lactate metabolism. Now, these... If you spend any time listening to any content or reading any content on endurance performance, that right there is the, like, pinnacle's the wrong word, but like the governing factors of endurance performance, really. Your ability to, first of all, not produce as much lactate, your ability to clear the lactate for repeated bouts of high intensity work. So it's clear that if you are becoming iron deficient as the season goes on then this could be an important factor as to improving late season performances that may not just be burnout or fatigue it could simply be um, iron stores being depleted over the course of a season resulting in uh, diminished abilities for these metrics now going into the results a little more uh, we have a key section of Uh, on fitness response essentially is what they titled it now the results from table two provided insight uh, well insightful findings on the physical performance measurements during the 4k time trial both before and after a six-week period of training and treatment initially improvements were observed in vo2 peak the peak oxygen consumption and maximal workload following a six-week training period indicating enhanced aerobic capacity and workload tolerance in both treatment groups However, there were no significant differences between the iron supplemented group and the placebo group, suggesting that both groups benefited similarly uh, from the training regime itself. Now, notably, while there were no significant differences in changes in average gross efficiency during the entire 
4KTT between groups, total energy expenditure was notably lower in the iron supplemented group compared to the placebo group post-training. This suggests that iron supplemented group extended less energy to sorry expended less energy to complete the same workload, indicating potential improvements in efficiency. Um, further analysis revealed a significant association between the amount of iron supplemented consumed and improvements in gross efficiency, especially in the iron group. Greater adherence to supplementation regime correlated with greater improvements in efficiency, emphasizing the importance of compliance with the iron supplementation, which kind of helps to prove out the results in the sense that you could be arguing that maybe there's something going on here between the two groups and how well it was controlled. But if then within the group that is uh, receiving the, uh, is being administered the supplement, if you can see the group ones who follow uh, the regime closer and adhere to it better, are also seeing a trend in the same trend you are seeing between the supplemented and unsupplemented group, then you're probably on the right lines there. Now, regarding blood lactate concentrations, both groups exhibited similar increases during the 4KTT at baseline, which remained elevated throughout the test. However, the six-week training period, blood lactate concentrations at all time points during the TT were significantly lower compared to the baseline in both treatment groups, indicating improvements in lactate clearance post-training. Importantly, Rowers supplemented with uh, iron showed a slower rise in blood lactate during the initial stages of the 4KTT compared to the placebo group. Now, initially, the iron supplemented group demonstrated a faster recovery in blood lactate levels five minutes post-TT, suggesting enhanced lactate metabolism recovery following exercise with the iron supplementation. Now, so that's a useful bit because... As you can see from this older 2014 study, we are still uh, correlating with the newer 2022 study that is suggesting that these metrics around lactate clearance, even in a non-anemic group, are clearly present um, and are showing promise. Essentially, the results suggest that Iron supplementation, particularly when adhered to, may contribute to improvements in efficiency, energy expenditure, and lactate response during endurance exercise uh, in female rows, potentially leading to enhanced overall performance. Now, although the study had some limitations, such as potential uh, misclassification of baseline iron status and varying compliance with the iron supplementation, it concluded that iron supplementation could enhance rowers adaption to training, improving iron status and physical performance. These findings have implications for female endurance athletes at risk of iDNA, suggesting that iron supplementation may maximize the benefits of endurance training. So future research they suggested could focus on implementing iron status screening process for female athletes and improving supplement compliance to optimize iron status and performance benefits. Now, we are going to sort of go back around on ourselves and go back to non-depleted individuals because really for most of us we're probably not in that actual fully depleted state but it is interesting to see that really for depleted individuals measured clinically depleted individuals iron supplementation is going to be beneficial 
So, as I said, most of us, or most of you listening, are probably athletes but not quite anemic and more wondering what can you do to ensure that your training load increases as your training load increases, you don't suffer from it. And especially, for example, for myself, someone who uh, commutes to work uh, does about, let's say, on a week that I'm not even really training, it's still like six hours a week of just going to and from work. Uh, on like 45 minute rides the fact that that then becomes a chronic thing over the course of the entire year it means that through sweat which is where this iron can be lost just sweating more than the normal person because you're exercising you could end up having a perpetually low level of iron because it never has time to fully recover and it's just always kind of suppressed and maybe your diet doesn't allow for maximal uh, iron in the diet and maximal iron absorption in general so let's look at a 2023 study titled influence of iron supplementation on fatigue mood states and sweating profiles of healthy non-anemic athletes during a training a during training exercise a double-blinded randomized placebo-controlled parallel group study <laughs> a bit of a mouthful yeah so they start with a nice simple summary as they call it to get a to get started really so the simple summary is iron deficiency is a free is frequent among athletes low dietary iron intake can have a negative impact on physical performance and endurance in non-anemic males and more often in females also the increased sweat iron loss is important in iron balance consideration in athletes to prevent a decline in iron status during training in this study, we investigate the effect of a routine low dose of iron supplementation on fatigue, mood states, and sweating behavior of both non-anemic male and female athletes. It's recommended that even low-dose iron supplementation, we're talking 3.6 milligrams per day, could be helpful to maintain um, and ameliorate the overall wellness of non-anemic athletes engaging in endurance exercise, as well as individuals with marked sweat loss due to heavy physical work. Now, obviously, everyone's vulnerable because of the sweat loss, but then obviously females, due to the menstrual cycle, even more so because you're actually losing blood on a monthly basis. Now, this study, the reason I picked this one out, one, because it was recent, one, because the structure was pretty good, so on and so forth, I normally would look at, but the fact that it was a 3.6 milligram per day dosage I mean, most of the supplements that I found are like 15 milligrams, 15 to 25 milligrams. And so if you were to take one of those daily, then we, which we'll go on to, you can run into these negative side effects of over consumption of iron in the diet. But at a 3.6 milligram per day supplementation, this ever so slightly elevated capping off the dietary consumption it just at first glance seems less risky and to some extent i suppose less frequent uh, testing required to uh, keep an eye on where those levels are it just seems like microdosing effectively but we continue the study spanned four weeks and involved both male athletes in um uh, football practice and female athletes engaging in various exercises uh, inducing sweating now athletes were assessed through questionnaires uh, anthro 
pyrometric measurements and saliva samples to evaluate the impact of iron supplementation on fatigue, mood, stress and sweating behavior. Now the study utilized different questionnaires for male and female athletes but ensured consistency in assessing relevant parameters. Results showed promising improvements in fatigue, uh, perception and stress management with iron supplementation highlighting the potential benefits of it for endurance athletes. I mean those are all pretty useful benefits. Now the study presents an examination of the intricate relationship between iron supplementation and a myriad of physiological and psychological parameters among non-anemic endurance athletes. Uh, it initiates with a comprehensive overview of the heightened prevalence of low iron levels in athletes due to exercise-induced negative iron balance, emphasizing the critical need for precise monitoring to safeguard athletes' uh, health and performance. Despite the recognized benefits of iron supplementation in, co in combating iron deficiency, the study underscores the necessity of cautiously selecting iron formulations with high bioavailability and implementing dosages restrictions to ensure optimal compliance while mitigating potential adverse effects. This is what I was talking about before and the fact that the 3.6 milligram per day usage was of such interest to me. What I do find interesting is iron itself as a supplement seems pretty cheap there are some brands that seem far more expensive for say a one month uh, or 30 capsules and imply a once daily dose but for example in this study they mentioned a good bioavailability of the supplement they specifically chose um, sun active iron supplement as the as to them a known well biolly available supplement and this is the for example the product i found was 90 capsules seven pound 55 i don't know that's like sub ten dollars it was an incredibly cheap supplement and when you look at the fact that they are suggesting a 3.6 milligram per day dosage these are 15 milligram capsules so you obviously can't actually do the 3.6 milligrams but i suppose you could take them every i don't know four days or whatever it works out to and yes you'll have a greater peak um in in the blood effectively as it goes in rather than a very nice flat steady state um situation but it does highlight the fact that clearly this to them is well biolly available and the price is not outrageous now the central focus of the study revolves around fatigue management essential depa um, department of athletic performance often underwind with iron deficiency um, while the direct impact of iron supplementation on hemoglobin levels was not pronounced within the study duration notable subject enhancements in fatigue levels were discerned suggesting a potential role in amelioration ameliorating athlete subjective fatigue perception and moreover the study delves into the intricate interplay between iron status exercise induced sweat and subjective fatigue related variables suggesting a potential mechanism whereby sustained iron status could modulate athlete sweating behavior and subjective fatigue perception during rigorous physical training sessions 
Psychological stress levels were comprehensively evaluated using diverse metrics, including profile of mood state, sweat fatigue scale, and visual analog scale questionnaires. Finding revealed Findings revealed a discernible decrease in exercise burden, body pain and tiredness among male um, football players supplemented with iron, aligning with the reduced subjective fatigue and sweat levels uh, found in the study. Although similar trends were observed among female athletes, some variability in trends post-exercise was noted, potentially influenced by the mental cycle-related stress indicators. Now, despite the inherent challenges in precisely quantifying the burden of fatigue, the study underlines the promising potential of low-dose iron supplementation in alleviating subjective fatigue and bolstering overall well-being among athletes. Now, insight into stress response mechanisms were further gleaned through the measurement of um, salivary biomarkers, including cortisol, immunoglobin A and a alpha amylase the study unveiled a maintenance of normal cortisol levels during iron supplementation indicative of reduced exercise associated stress additionally a significant decrease in uh, salivary immunoglobulin a levels were observed attributed to the synergetic effect of iron intake and exercise similarly a steady increase in salivary uh, alpha amylase levels particularly among female athletes hinted uh, at the intricate interplay between physical stress, iron supplementation, and salivary alpha amylase regulation. The study also explored the impact of iron supplementation on mood states, revealing notable alterations in the depression, uh, dejection, and tension uh, anxiety clusters of the POMS analysis among male athletes. These findings suggest that a favourable influence of iron intake on mood disturbances and adaptions to training stress regimes, bolstered by uh, correlation between salivary alpha amylase responses and self-reported mood clusters. So iron supplementation can also change some subjective individual scores in whether how stressful the bout of exercise is, the post-exercise fatigue and so on. Now, acknowledging its contributions, the study remains cognizant of the limitations, including gender disparities and adequacy of treatment period, emphasizing the imperative, the imperative for further investigation. Nevertheless, the findings advocate for the routine implementation of low-dose iron supplementation in enhancing stress management, mood states, fatigue, and sweating conditions among endurance athletes, underlying the a pivotal role tailored nutritional interventions in optimizing athletic performance as a whole and overall well-being now so this is going to bring us to the end of the episode so what what is the bottom line of all this well understanding the significance of iron supplementation in the context of athletic performance is crucial for athletes aiming to optimize their training and overall well-being essentially monitoring it doesn't mean you have to get a full panel but being able to monitor this uh blood iron or body iron stores is going to be critical for athletic performance. We've explored recent research studies shedding light on the impact of iron deficiency and supplementation on exercise capacity, fatigue perception, mood states and sweating behavior in both anemic and non-anemic athletes. 
Key findings suggest that intravenous iron supplementation can improve exercise metrics among anemic athletes, while oral supplementation may benefit individuals with depleted iron stores. Moreover, low-dose iron supplementation has shown promise in managing fatigue, enhancing mood states and regulating sweating behaviour in non-anemic endurance athletes. These insights align the importance of tailored nutritional interventions to support athletes' iron states and maximise their performance potential. Moving forward, continued research efforts are needed to address gender disparities, optimise treatment durations and refine iron supplementation strategies to meet diverse needs of athletics across various disciplines and training regimes. By interrogating evidence-based approaches to iron supplementation, athletes can better navigate the demands of their training and excel in their athletic endeavours while safeguarding their long-term health and well-being. And essentially, monitoring your uh, iron levels throughout the season is going to provide you with a window into why fatigue may be setting in and maybe low dose or slightly higher dose depending on where your biomarkers are may be necessary to keep your performance into later parts of the season for more content like this explore my previous episodes and consider following rating and sharing the podcast wherever you get your podcast from share your thoughts or suggest future topics at the vo2lounge at gmail.com or the vo2lounge discord server links all down below thank you for tuning in and until next time it's goodbye